Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 530, and we are up to Yakuza 4 in our series of Yakuza podcasts, so by my reckoning that's, this will be the fifth, and there's three to go? Well, it depends if you count no. Judgment and Lost Judgment. Oh, sorry. Yakuza games, I don't know, yeah. I've, got a, I've got lots of theories Dead on this Souls. effect. <laughs> Dead Cells? Dead Souls. <laughs> Oh, Dead Souls. Dead Souls. Like, yeah. De- yeah, how are we going to roll Dead... <laughs> dead 2D Souls, indie. Dead Cells, and yeah. then uh, there's a branch off into uh, a lot of other things from there. I can see us doing the, the, the Judgment games someday for sure. Um, yes. Probably, probably not so much the, the other spin-offs, especially the ones that haven't been translated for reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, the core series, here we go. We've done zero, one, two, three, and this is four. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, as you've heard, Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Leah Haydu. Stay away from rooftops. That's what I've learned from this series. Right. You can now head up to the rooftops. And my other favorite disorganized criminal, it's Mikhail Crowder. So done <laughs> Nanny? There's not, there's not enough nanny in this game for my liking. But, um, we'll come on Le- there's that. less there, Kiryu, so... There are a lot of people yeah. that uh, just respond with... Uh, Repeating the person's family name after they've done delivering yeah. a long monologue. That's right. It's like the equivalent of Metal Gear. It's that sort of thing. Ryuga Gotoku 4, Densets Wo Tsugumono? Tsugumono? Something like that. Apologies, as always, for my Japanese pronunciation. But that means uh, successor of the legend. This was the first game in the mainline Yakuza series which had. A subtitle and all of them since do i believe but over in the west it was once again localized to simply yakuza 4 what is yakuza if you don't know by now we've been calling it variations of a third person crime fiction melodrama soap opera bromance rpg brawler with mini games sequel the fourth entry into the mainline series and it's quite plot-heavy, plot-driven game. So we'll offer a spoiler alert at this juncture. If you haven't played the game and you care about what happens, you might find some of that out as we go along. Especially Maybe. this one. If you've played the prior mm. ones and haven't played this one, um, yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot in here for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you folks, the panel, can uh, can help me recall all that stuff because... It's a bit in one ear and out the other for me, but uh, we've we've got a li- little help from our correspondents, as always, and our panel, so it'll all be fine. But what are our histories with this game? Brian, did you start back on the PS3 version, or did you come more recently to the remaster? Oh, oh no, I, am, I, I, I guess I consider myself fortunate that I've, I've only touched Yakuza in it at all in the last um, two years. Because I was able to play Yakuza Zero and then Kiwami One and Two, and then um, like many people, then, I think, yeah, and then Yakuza Three uh, for the podcast. And I think I've been on every Yakuza podcast except for Zero, mm-hmm. and um, and then now for Four. So uh, I went from like dipping my toe in to being like, "What is this Yakuza thing?" to now where like I own several Majima T-shirts. Um, <laughs> And I, uh, yeah, so, uh, but just for Yakuza 4, I had had it downloaded, and it was one of those games where I I really have enjoyed the Yakuza series more than I was expecting to, and I was like, don't play it too early, because you'll forget about it, you'll forget about it before the podcast, my brain, my brain not work good sometimes, and 
So I was able to hold off until about the beginning of April, and then I was kind of like, nah, I got, <laughs> I got to, I need more Kiryu in my life. So I think I played through it over the, about three or four weeks in the month of April. Really took my time with it. Um, for reasons that will kind of come across, there's it's it's a very very different structure. Um, I guess it would be more similar to Yakuza Zero than one, two, and three in just the sense that there are multiple protagonists you play as. Um, so yeah, it took about three four weeks playing it. I finished it the last week of April, and then this weekend I've gone back and kind of done some sub story stuff. Just kind of ran around, you know, Kamurocho and just kind of done a few things and causing you know, havoc, helping. Yeah, folks. just being back in the space um uh, one of the things I, I i'll probably talk about at length later it's just when when you play this many games in camarocho it's just like it mm. is almost like revisiting your hometown in a way where it's like right. you know where stuff is and like oh yeah. i need some some of medicine i know that the doctor's shop is right here you know or uh, you know i gotta go to the pawn shop something very pawn shop and it's, yeah. so that's been kind of nice um just having that feeling of revisiting all that so yeah, played it played it over the course of a month in April and just kind of revisiting the last couple of days and I'm very ready to talk about some parts of this game. It's nice of you to give the developer such an easy ride for reusing assets there, Brian. I mean, yes, I exactly. <laughs> I mean, the lazy devs at it again, you know. Um, but um uh but yeah, I, I, in fact I, there's there's parts of that I want to talk about, but I will I will not bogart the introductions with my nonsense. Sure, just yet. cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leah, how about yourself and the four? Yeah, um, so I'm I'm kind of similar to uh, Brian in that I um, I started with Yakuza Zero. Uh, I have been on all of the podcasts so far, and yeah, I I I agree. Uh, the the short version is I agree with the uh, with the concept of Kamarocho being almost like a character in these games that I enjoy coming back to and and being able to recognize and get around. I have a really bad sense of direction. Um, I, mm -hmm. I rely on Me maps too. very heavily in games like this. And I, I mean, I still do need it sometimes uh, just kind of for, um, I, I don't know, I guess just for, for ease of use and, and to make my, my traversal a little bit quicker. But I, it's kind of nice for me to be able to to recognize where I'm going. I have to be somewhere for a while before that happens usually. Uh, so where I differ is that I left it a little too late in order to play Yakuza 4. I did finish it this morning. So a um, little bit little bit fresher in my mind than maybe in a couple of other people's. But I uh, spent about 30 hours with my game clock over the past little over a week um just due to a busy podcast schedule and a busy work schedule it just didn't happen before that so um yeah i played uh for over about the past week i did a lot of the side story stuff i didn't do all of it and i may go back to do some more but i i did i did a significant amount i think there's 60 some side stories and i did like 50 some of them oh so, wow yeah good effort mikhil yourself yeah um so I am not like uh, you folks, you know, I've been adding Yakuza games to my collection like uh, for, for a long time already. And I bloody well played a version that I originally paid for. So, uh, you know, I actually when I got Yakuza 4, uh, I got it probably together with Dead Souls or something, just snatching up uh, a couple of copies uh, from a shelf uh, in, in a game store. And I remember just popping it in. Uh, just downloaded the updates before uh, heaven forbids uh, you can no longer do so, you know. And uh, just thinking, just to give it uh, give it a quick go, 
see what it's like, just taste the atmosphere before uh, I would actually return to it after properly playing and finishing the previous parts, previous installments. And yeah, I was quite uh, surprised to find uh, you start off with a different character in this game, controlling a different character. And I uh, played for a little while longer than I was anticipating because I find this uh, person to be quite intriguing. Like I wanted to know what his deal was. Um, And recapping also a little bit uh, of our Yakuza 3 conversation, um, it would have been cool actually if you wouldn't see Kiryu alive after the credits in Yakuza 3, uh, you know, and then starting off with this new character. So there would be a little bit of a mystery and a little bit of suspense if uh, if they could have, you know, maintained that uh, Hideo Kojima style, um, you know, with the public, you know, the publicity around the game and everything. If they could have maintained that. Um. And then, so for this... Um, playthrough this first proper playthrough um i started off like a couple of weeks before i went on uh, my summer vacation with my family and i knew that you know the recording would be right a couple of days after i I returned so i figured i probably better finish this game before i go on holidays which i couldn't do but i made it to uh curious chapter i think i played all the way through curious chapter and then left the grand finale for uh, when I returned. Uh, so that's what yeah, I've been spending job. the last couple of days on. Like uh, just running around with the four characters and doing some uh, extra stuff, leveling them up so I wouldn't have too much of an annoying time in a final battle. And you're playing uh, original hardware version. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The S3. Yeah. Uh, what, did, what did you play on, Brian? I played on Xbox Series X on the Game Pass version, which I believe is just a port of that other version. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no... Real updating to it, but still, yeah, not a lot. Was, no, yes, uh, Leah, PS. Uh, what? yeah, the remastered version, uh, which I guess is PS4 yeah. technically, but on my on yeah. a PS5. Gotcha. Yeah, same. Uh, I played it on the disc version from the 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 three pack of remasters, which is three, four, and five, which I bought when we were embarking upon this quest. Yeah, I played it. Uh, I guess I started playing it a month or so ago and rattled through it fairly quickly played for about 24 hours did some side stuff but not loads on this occasion and uh yeah nothing more interesting to report than that really so yeah it was released originally on the playstation 3 in march 2010 in japan and march 2011 in north america and europe then the ps4 version arrived 2019 January in Japan and worldwide in October. Then, much more recently, the PC and Xbox One versions came out in early 2021. So, yeah, there's some changes with the the way that this one plays out. And I guess maybe that's divisive for some fans. Maybe we'll hear. But uh, I guess the key thing is that in this one, you play as not one, not two, not three, but four different protagonists spread out across multiple chapters each and one after the other. The basic synopsis, according to IMDb, is in 1985, 18 men were shot dead in a ramen shop. Hmm, were they? Hmm. This event marked a turning point for the Ueno Sewa clan, but the truth behind the incident has remained hidden. In 2010, four men, a chivalrous moneylender, a condemned man sitting on death row, a crooked cop, and the Dragon of Dojima are drawn together as a plot 25 years in the making nears fruition. 
Yeah, I would like to point out, um, yes, 18 men actually were shot dead in a ramen shop. It's the who shot them that is in question. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Was, uh, was, it, was this idea of four protagonists and a, and a kind of intertwining plot something that, that um, sort of got you interested, Leah? Yeah, actually. I really liked Zero, as I, I think a lot of people were drawn into the series because of Zero, uh, myself included, and that one of the big things about Zero is that you do switch between two different protagonists. Four seems like a lot, but in my opinion, they did a really good job with making it so that it made sense to, like, there was a reason to switch between these protagonists. There were things and spaces that some of them could inhabit that others couldn't. Um, like, you can't get to the rooftops with some, you can't get into the uh, kind of Chinatown section of the area unless you are playing as one character. There's there's just enough enough about them that makes them different that made sense to switch and not just have your character you know, one character kiryu or whoever have one person learn different skills that would then get them into different areas it, it kind of did need to be the way that they had it set up different characters who would be able to then do that and and for the most part there's one side quest that weirdly enough you repeat multiple times uh but for the most part, you're not really just retreading the same ground with different characters, which would have been something that I think would have made it mm -hmm. feel pretty monotonous and and not very fun to play. But I thought that there was a, a decent spread. Everybody felt good enough and close enough to each other to play without having to like completely relearn the controls or relearn the game itself but with enough differences that it was it was interesting and felt pretty fresh when you went to the the different sections of the game i went i went in pretty blind i didn't really know um that the that the setup of this game was that much different from the previous three that i had played and i think what what makes it so welcoming for like a fan of the series is that as you kind of start in, like I was, I was kind of like, ah, oh, really? I'm not playing security with that. But Akiyama is like, he's so relatable in that world, you know, like bad guy, but with a heart of gold, you know, kind of like he, like he, he immediately fits kind of the archetype of what you've already known. And then a couple things kind of kick off right at the beginning of his story that, like, I went from kind of rebelling against it to embracing it so that when there was the next character switch, I was kind of excited to see where it went. Um, so I think it does a good job of kind of transitioning you. If you are a person that has played them in order that like it, it, it still feels like your Yakuza in big air quotes without um, kind of pushing against the player uh, that much. Sounds like uh, I, I did a similar thing to McKeel in that, what I've done with each of the games is as soon as I've finished one, I've kind of had a poke at the next one to see kind of what, yeah, what the changes are, what the vibe is and that kind of thing. So I, I, I had early warning, but it's, it sounds like it actually intrigued you more than potentially just being Kiryu again, Mikhail. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, um, this is a long running series. Let's not forget. Uh, Yakuza three halfway through started grading on my, um, yeah, on my tolerance uh, a little bit already because of many of its just repeating elements. 
Yeah. Uh, so I think the series needed a bit of a shake-up, at least, at, uh, by this point. Yeah, I guess they felt the same way. Yeah. So Yakuza 4 takes place one year after the events of 3. Like the original game, most of the action takes place in Kamurocho, resembling Shinjuku's red light district. Three locations have been added since Yakuza 3, a rooftop area stretching across a large portion of the town, the back streets of Kamurocho, known as Rojura, and a third area known as the Underground, or Chika, which includes the city sewers, parking lot, and shopping arcades. Uh, so yeah, how does the uh, this this manifestation of the multiple areas? I think Leah sort of touched upon it already, but do you think it was it was it, were these meaningful additions? I think it was meaningful in the sense, uh, uh, particularly, and I know we're we're going to get into this later of of Saijima's chapters because there was a real reason for him to not use the main streets, right? Or you know, like being an actual escaped fugitive from the law, you know, a prison escapee, like. So it made those areas, which might have seemed superfluous before, that seemed to have actual meaning and texture in a way that, that maybe it wouldn't have. Um, all that I kind of found by the end is that I was really looking forward to kind of that preamble to the finish where I could just switch between all four characters and like be able to just have access to everything at once. But I think that was just more of me wanting to just do all the sub-stories and everything else. But like some of those uh, Saijima, which is probably the most linear chapter of all of them, just based on his missions and the story um, kind of became more important than I was expecting it to. Um, and there's a couple like neat kind of hideaway things up there. There's a, there's, there's a rooftop weapon shop and there's some underground shopping areas that allow you to do, to do certain things. There's a, there's a group of um, uh, homeless um, kind of treasure hunters underground that you can help out. Like, it did add a little bit more um, area. Yeah, yeah, and the kittens. And <laughs> yeah. also, there's a uh, there's a third extra area that wasn't in previous games, which is uh, Little Asia, like the little streets that only yeah. uh, Tanimura can access. Uh, so that's extra as well. If you think back to the first Yakuza, uh, that only had one main location, uh, Kamurocho. Then the second one had Osaka in there as well as another large uh, second location. The third one had Okinawa as a second large location. So being that, I mean, there's the prison, but that's more of a little dungeon mm. than anything else. Yeah, but there's a dock. Uh, you you get uh, you go briefly to the docks to as well. House. Yeah. Th th yeah, yeah, those are like more like no, dungeon no areas, major. not really major or hub areas. Large areas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, expanding on Kamurocho and giving it. Uh, an underworld or an underground as well as a rooftop uh, section does make a lot of sense. Um, you know, if you want to maintain that similar scope in terms of um, environments to explore. Chris Lane from uh, an email that he sent. Uh, we got a few interjections from Chris as a fan of the series says, this is my favorite iteration of Camarocho to date. I've always loved watching the city develop over the years, and I love how they've molded it to match each protagonist. The rooftops are practically useless to Akiyama, whereas they're crucial for Seijima to avoid being hassled by the police. Those same police officers are friendly-ish to Tanimura. Tanimura himself can cross Little Asia, whereas a language barrier prevents Akiyama and Seijima from getting in. It's one city, but designed so well that exploring it feels different for each character. Yeah, pretty neat, if you ask me. Yeah. Neat. Right. Uh, Story-wise, um, 
as I say, the game is divided up into four sections. Well, five ultimately, but four major sections, one for each of the protagonists, four chapters long each. According to the Yakuza 4 Wikia, the four protagonists represent four eastern gods. Tanimura represents the Black Tortoise, or Genbu, as he focuses the most on defence, parrying out of the four player characters, and is the most down-to-earth. Tiger Seijima is the White Tiger, or Byako, as he is the most cynical of the four and possesses the most brute strength. Shun Akiyama represents the Vermilion Bird, or Suzaku, as he has the most elegance, speed and flow out of the four protagonists and is the most idealistic. Of course, Kazuma Kiryu represents the Azure Dragon, or Seryu, as he is the most balanced of the characters and also the most experienced and wise. So part one is Akiyama, this new character. Uh, yeah, and I was, um, I, my, my early impressions were, I think like McKeel's, as I say, popped it on straight after finishing three and as well as being kind of impressed by the significant leap forward in tech uh, vi or you know visual stuff in particular uh, everything looked to my eyes a lot nicer and a, a lot less goofy in, in four than it did in three um i was yeah it was just intriguing to actually be somebody else with a different backstory that we didn't particularly know at this point yeah and uh and yeah, he had he had a whole different aura and and charisma about him. Yeah, important detail about uh, Akiyama is that he's not uh, directly affiliated with any of the families or the clans, you know. Yeah. And of course, yeah. later you get to control Tanimura, Tony, uh, who's uh, some sort of cop. <laughs> I'm saying some sort of uh, very um, expressly, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's of course you've always a you've always been playing as Kiryu, uh, and then b yeah, and all of a sudden you're kind of outside the uh, usual, like, uh, you know, Tojo or uh, Yakuza affiliations. Yeah, the thing I love about um, Akiyama is that um, it, it's very clear right from the bat that he's kind of like this benevolent overseer, like doling out money and getting his money back and um, and kind of has this, you know, past that makes him feel obligated to help those that are downtrodden. But like his day-to-day -day existence is so like kind of sloppy and weird like he's just kind of like falling asleep in his office not doing his work and hana is like you know all over him about it like he is very charming out of the gate i think that was a, a big thing of getting me over that hump of you know mm -hmm. just unfamiliarity trying to get you know comfortable with playing this game and it's a different story and his initial story like, he, he's kind of the perfect character to lead you in to this story because it makes sense it ends with Kiryu but Akiyama's kind of maybe the most likable out of everybody he's got um he's got kind of altruistic ideas but still kind of has that seedy edge that you want from a Yakuza yeah. character um he he's very well-rounded yeah yeah there's something about him and you know some of the side characters mentioned that there's at least some sort of sinister undertones with him or at least enough of intrigue to make you wonder why is he doing what he's doing right. before you yeah. figure it all out. Um, because, um, you know, some side characters also remark that, you know, when somebody actually uh, gets a loan from him, um, they usually never come back to ask for a loan for a second time anymore. Um, that that sort of, those sort of implications are in there, you know? Chris Lane, our correspondent, says, I love Akiyama. He's charming, funny, capable and loyal. But I have a bit of a controversial take on the man. He's also a double standard wielding scumbag. 
Akiyama is known as the lifeline of Camaracho, a man who gives loans that are interest-free and don't require collateral. All that's needed is for the prospective customer to complete a test to prove to Akiyama they are worthy of his time and money. And this is where I think he's a scumbag. He said he had a woman work in the red light district for a week. There's also a sub-story with a woman who tries to pass his test, says she's done everything, and Akiyama gives her grief for not going outside of her comfort zone and trying a seedy massage parlour or the red light district, all while her son is there with her. He had a successful career in banking and is massively familiar with investing. When he was homeless, money literally fell from the sky and into his lap. Once he'd gathered up all the money he could, he used his knowledge of banking and investing, a very familiar, comfortable area for him, to expand his wealth exponentially. He never had to step outside of his comfort zone or push himself too hard. In fact, he'd accepted his lot as a homeless man until money exploded from the sky out of sheer random luck. See previous game in the series. Yet he still feels entitled to deny other people a life-changing opportunity because they refuse to stoop to working in the sex industry. I can't be the only one who's annoyed by this. Otherwise, I think he's great. I think that's very good to point out. I actually didn't play that exact sub-story, but I was feeling already a little bit uncomfortable with him, you know, um, yeah, getting uh, Lily or Yasko to yeah. uh, work in at Hostess Club. And it's partly, you, you know, do you agree with the assertion that Chris has that it's stooping to work in, in the sex industry? Yeah. I don't know about that particular word choice for me personally, but also yeah. I think that it is bad that I, I agree with the sentiment that he's getting across here, yeah. which is that yeah. mm -hmm. to coerce someone into working in right. that yeah. industry or any industry yeah. that they don't yeah. want yeah. to uh, when it's not their choice is is pretty low. Exactly. Yeah. Very pimp-like yes. behavior. Some of these characters, uh, yeah, I mean, none, none of them are, are flawless, uh, of course, and whether whether that was a deliberate uh whether that was meant to be read as a flaw, I'm not so sure. Um, there's there's quite a few elements of the characters in this game that that I didn't vibe with, but I think that was more to do with. Uh, I think the the writing was sort of trying to present them in a certain way, and uh, and that yeah didn't didn't sit well for me. And um, Sejima being the key example. Um, I may as well get into this now because it was uh, it was vital, crucial to my overall experience with the game. And ha happily for me and handily, one of our patrons actually posted the exact, almost word for word, same thing as I experienced with this game. So this is Sejima now, listener, uh, the second character. Kieran DC from our Patreon says, After playing the previous games, I was excited to see what new things were brought to the table for Yakuza 4. I was carried along the convoluted and preposterous story by the fancy kicks of Akiyama, the handcuffed special attacks of Tanimura and the brute strength of Seijima. It seemed like a really solid step in the right direction, with Tanimura's grapple-heavy fight style being the highlight, in my opinion. However, I was stopped in my tracks when Seijima met Haruka. I'm sure I won't be the only person mentioning this, but watching Seijima consider raping Haruka really shocked me. I had to double-take to understand what was being implied. Arguably worse was Kiryu seeing that moment and having no reaction to his adopted daughter being in danger. That affected me to the point where it soured my experience of the game almost completely. A real shame. Yeah, I wouldn't have let uh, my daughter alone with that guy, even if he killed 18 people. You know? No. 
No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I um, so I have I have very uh, complicated thoughts on this, and I um agree with everything that you said, Leanne, and everything that Kieran said. Our our uh, Kieran DC, our Patreon a subscriber said. Um, the thing that I wonder about is, was the intention of this scene to be that Saijima was thinking about actual statutory and physical rape, or was it that, like, oh, he had just seen a woman for the first time in 15 years, and Mm -hmm. they just picked the absolute poorest example of how that could be so like so the the question i have and this is absolutely in no way me justifying it if you can't tell by my waffling before i think you make a fair point but um, yes is that like i i'm not sure that i i think it's a very poor way to show maybe the feeling that someone inside Jima's shoes would feel upon seeing a woman because he was not seeing a woman he was seeing a child a child Exactly. And that to me is the delineating factor. Exactly. Um, this, this could this have been done in was... a hostess club. This could have been done yeah. it, with the nurse in the hospital. You know, it could have been a million different ways. A hundred percent. This was very like... ham-fisted, but I also I don't necessarily think that the intention of that story point was to make him a malicious, pedophile, a rapist or... pedophile, right? Yeah. No, right. I think so. It but was it completely mishandled. Like, that yeah. is like, how it I comes felt across. dirty after that. I, I <laughs> yeah. really felt yeah. dirty. It goes and on it, for a really long time. Yes. Awkwardly long a, time. I, I would even go beyond awkward and say <laughs> uncomfortably long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I, it's, the, it's, it's also the fact that Kojima says, yeah, I could tell you were lying about your origins because there's only one kind of there's only one ma- kind of man I know who looks at a girl like that and it's a man who's been in prison for a long time. That was the but whole... never mind. Slap on the back, off you go, mate. <sighs> right. That was the whole goal. Yeah. Beha- that was the whole goal behind it, right? Uh, and yeah. of course, uh, defenders and no doubt the writers would tell you that. Well, he didn't actually do it. You know, so <laughs> yeah, he's a great fine. guy after all. Uh, he, just, know, he, had a, he just he had enough. Ass- he, he squatted astride her for an uncomfortably long time. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, leering yeah, like a he, creepy. He had his knee positioned between her legs there. Mm-hmm. It was very, uh, very uh, yeah, nasty it's as well. It's the camera yeah. the thing, work would... about it at that point, too. That's like, it's just, it's, it's yeah. lingering. Like, it, it, yeah. mm. And I think that might, that might speak to some of the problems I've had with previous entries in this game. And yeah. I know that uh, Leah, you and I talked uh, particularly about the end of the game um, with regards to Hanachan and how she was kind of treated at the oh, end of the game. Yes. Um, there is, there is a history in the series, a series of games that I am on record of loving. Like Absolutely. I love these games, yeah. but of just kind of treating the, the female, plight against aggressive males as kind of just like a ah, it's the way of the world when in reality it's yeah. unacceptable behavior yeah. and yeah. right so it's the way of this world with its right suave yes. organized criminals yeah. and, and i know our rich well, has major problems with the yeah, depiction yeah. of of crime in this game and, and the sort of glamorization and justification of it and things so there, there's a lot of problematic elements with yakuza the, this, my statements are not an attempt to take away from that at all it's just like no, 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 in, sure. intentions of of creative material regardless of your intentions the way it comes across is the way it comes across and and it is the artist's 
responsibility to take responsibility for that intent. Um, I'm talking in circles here, but the point being is that um, I understand the point they were trying to get across, but to call this a ham-fisted ex execution of that point is even giving it credit that yeah, I don't yeah. want it to have. Here's the thing, you know, if this scene would have been um, depicted with a grown woman in place of Haruka, uh, it wouldn't have been great, but it would have been in been... line with my expectations of yeah, uh, Yakuza, right. okay. you know? Yep. And the fact that that's not a fully grown woman laying there, but a 14-year-old girl... That's what really tipped me over, like, yeah. And then, you know, that, and th that's one thing. And then just Kiryu leaving her alone with him afterwards yeah, and yeah, just yeah. sort of brushing it off. That's where, yeah, I had to, let's say, sort of uh, guffaw in disbelief and leave it at that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the rest of the game anymore. Yeah. Jockney from our forum says, can someone please, for the love of God, call Okinawa Child Protection Services? When Kiryu <laughs> left Haruka alone in the house with Seijima, the man who he had seen nearly rape her hours earlier, I nearly screamed. Whether it is consistently endangering the lives of everyone around him or abandoning the orphanage at the drop of a hat to fix the problems of complete strangers, the man shows a complete disregard for the safety of his charges. For me, as well as that uncomfortable scene that we've we've mentioned, it was also the fact that that scene came right off the back of something far less important in terms of tone and and representation and things like that but a plot contrivance that was so ludicrous even within this heightened and sometimes zany world of yakuza that i was already going really you're just gonna say that this guy who's just bust out of prison whose friend in prison sacrificed himself to to let him get away left him with one final instruction with his dying breath seek out the name kazama in japan somewhere uh or it, it, maybe he was ever nah, so he, he did more. tell me he had a he had an orphanage on the on the island okay but yeah. he then basically jumps jumps off the wall into the sea and gets washed up on a beach literally right outside the house of the man who he was sent to, to go and seek the funnier part of that to me is when later on the person that you think has sacrificed themselves also, also washes, washes up. up on the stage. <laughs> it's the only, like, it's the only place that, on Okinawa really where you can wash up, you know? It's a you know very, as the, yeah, as the only person on this As the only person on this podcast that actually works at a secret ocean prison, if I had a nickel for every time this happened. <laughs> you got a load of Avengers in there or something. <laughs> yeah, also every prison guard is a superhero, just like the ones there, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Speak uh, with authority. <laughs> <laughs> Tanimura is our third protagonist uh, let's head over to Chris again our correspondent Chris Lane says Tanimura is my p personal favourite of the new protagonists and I'm genuinely disappointed we won't see more of him due to the drug scandal around actor Hiroki Narimiya his backstory and involvement in the police force made it feel like he was right at the centre of the web connecting all the different strands together but I'll focus on one point here, his contrast to Akiyama. While Akiyama is the lifeline of Kamarocho, Tanimura is called the parasite of Kamarocho. Seen as little more than a corrupt cop who's more than happy to take bribes and backhanders, Tanimura's reputation is covered in mud, while Akiyama is practically a beloved legend. And yet, it's the lifeline who uses his test as a way to provide or deny money for those who need it. He sets his parameters, and if he isn't happy with the results, then he turns the person away, 
without a second's thought. The parasite, on the other hand, doesn't care about his reputation. He's happy to lean on shady organisations to squeeze money out of them, which he then funnels in to help immigrants have at least a small chance at a better life. He never meets these people and he doesn't need to. He will help them no matter what. I love the guy with a terrible reputation. I love that the guy with, with the terrible reputation is the one who's happy to help others out without needing anything in return, while the other with the glowing reputation is actually a bit of a hypocrite. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a duality with uh, Tony Mura. An interesting detail, by the way, is uh, Chris started off, I guess he played the PS3 uh, game as well, uh, naming the original actor. Yeah. Um, for the uh, remaster, they changed the main actor. So you got a yes. different voice performance and uh, a different character model. So they could bring him back uh, in the same way, yeah, yeah. presumably. Exactly, uh, mm. yeah. I agree with almost everything uh, Chris has written so far, and I appreciate him writing uh, so many thoughtful pieces uh, about this game, which I yeah. have a lot of thoughts on too. Is But uh, for me, Tanamura was maybe the weakest link in the story. Um, Same for me. I thought that his I thought that his kind of family story in Little Asia was very interesting. I just felt maybe the police force thing... It sounds ridiculous to call a Yakuza story unbelievable, but um, <laughs> it it Jeez. did feel a little I don't want to say force. It just um, none of it landed as kind of genuine to me in a way that maybe like even with the things we said about Akiyama and Saijima and then coming on to Kiryu, like um, I never felt that um Tanamura's motivations were as like. Easy, easy to follow, maybe as the other protagonists. Mm. Um, I really loved his combat style. I loved playing as Tanamar. Um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. And in fact, going back and and where you get a point where you can kind of you're at the bar before the main conclusion, and you can pick each character to play, character to play as. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with Tanamar. But uh, just that story section was the weakest for me personally, um, just because I didn't have as much of an emotional connection except for seeing Date um who I who I love from other games and um, yeah. but yeah I, I I'm not sure if it was a, if that was a me problem or just kind of a knowing that Kiryu was coming next type of thing you know yeah. like, there there is that problem too you know like like I know what the next step is so am I just rushing to that because I'm you know kind of driven towards it I'm I'm not quite sure I know what you mean but I think uh for me at least um I didn't think it was below par that much with the others. Uh, they gave him a lot of uh, interesting angles. They, uh, you know, I li I really liked his uh, the characterization or the uh, um, fact about him that he uh, spoke so many different non-Japanese Asian languages and that he got along with the uh, residents of Little Asia very well. Uh, yeah, and there's a little bit of a, you know, he he does have a, a singular mission in that he's. Uh, Trying to find out, trying to find out what happened to his uh, father, of course, who passed away. I think for me, part of what made Tanimura not as compelling as the other characters was that he didn't really seem like he was that devoted to the position that he was in, like to his position in society. Like he, he didn't seem like he was a cop because he wanted to be a cop necessarily. No. It was just kind of where he found himself in regards to what he really wanted, which was to find out what happened to his father. Exactly. It sounds like he, uh, or it feels like he joined the police force uh, to sort of figure it out from the inside out what happened to his father. Yeah. yeah. 
which yeah. I guess when... maybe could be considered part of like uh, partially a um, a connection to Kiryu, and that Kiryu doesn't necessarily want to be part of the Yakuza at this point, yeah. but yeah, it's exactly. just kind of where he finds himself. And then you've yeah. got the characters who really do kind of seem to be where they want to be in in Akiyama and uh, Saijima, who you know are respectively this this kind of yeah. money lender pil- pillar of the community sounds weird considering who he is, <laughs> but that's sort of what he is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for and, sure. and then you know yeah. the the uh, convict who who just wants to carry out their yakuza. Um, obligations or yeah. lives by, by the code and uh, yes. etc. Tony Mora yes. is, uh, but that's actually what I found a little bit interesting about him is that his motivations aren't as pure yeah. or, uh, you know, like, uh, and he, he does, I think it's a little bit the way he carries himself also. He doesn't really seem to care a whole lot about those around him. But then like Chris pointed out, he actually does help out a lot of people at the same time as well. And then back to uh, Mr. Charisma. Depending on how you feel about him, Kirin Kazama. He's <laughs> got, a, you know, he's got a. Let's say he's got an aura more than. He's anything. a good boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah apart from all the life-changing in- well, injuries you know. he meets out, you know, Shh. nobody's <laughs> nobody's perfect. Uh, Chris Lane again says, in terms of character, Kiryu is the same stoic, honourable, and gold-hearted individual we know and love. But I was disappointed to see he's far more aggressive here than he was in three. I loved how Yakuza Three Kiryu was softer, wiser, and more reasonable. He had a heavy preference for talking things out instead of violence. In 4, he often gives just one warning, and that warning usually has an aggressive or else edge to it. It's fine, but it was a little disappointing for me. Yeah. Of oh, course, can, he I was stabbed by this. Hamazaki at the end of uh, Yakuza 3, uh, you know, betraying his uh, his trust, and he lost his, uh, he lost his uh, little brother as well. Yeah, is that your justification, Leah? Uh, no, my actual <laughs> justification was go- that that helps. But my my justification was going to be he gets less time here, and that's cut both, to the chase. Well, it's both <laughs> a, a, a like um, uh, uh, he gets less time mechanically, so the story just didn't have enough time to really let right. him be yeah. a looser kind of more laid back Kiryu and also Kiryu the character in the storyline has less time to kind of get all of this together and to to sort yeah. things out than Kiryu the character did in yeah. in previous installments uh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe I'm a maybe I'm a brash American but I I, I like my I like my <laughs> Kiryu on. just being a walking fist you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean like it's just like a just a walking anybody who looks at him wrong or even looks at somebody else wrong he is going to be that giant boot in your face um yeah i i understand what chris says because yakuza 3 was was a real welcome change and maybe my favorite parts of yakuza 3 um were when kiryu was just kind of being hawaiian shirt dad you know what i mean just kind of doing his thing and i i i really enjoyed learning that part of his character but it was kind of fun to just go back to you know here he is now he's in kamarochi you didn't really go through a lot of the rigmarole as you did before to get to that, you know, gray suit, red shirt, you know, beat anybody up who so much as breathes on him wrongly, Kiryu. Um, <laughs> but I would say that his motivation here maybe lended itself to uh, justify that more. Like there wasn't a lot, like you said, Leah, like, like regardless of just time and story, but like there, w- he had of 
like a list of things to do in a pretty short amount of time. So he didn't kind of have time to sweat the small stuff in maybe a way that Yakuza 3 or 2 Kiryu did. He just kind of had to get down to business. And um, for me, that just that that worked for for a number of reasons. Anything else to be said on Kiryu in this one? I mean, he's he's pretty much the same Kiryu as he always is. It's it's a little jarring that that he starts at the orphanage, but that doesn't really come into play like almost at all. They there's a section where you think mm. maybe his his orphans are going to be kidnapped, which I am not. By the way, um, saying that orphans should be kidnapped, I am not saying that. Please do not take that out of context. But um, well, yeah, I was the guy who was trying to explain Saijima's actions before, so I think you're yep, in. The I remember. Yeah, okay, you're that's fine. true. Uh, but 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 I mean, that's that's really the only kind of indication that you get that this might come into play, and then nothing comes of it. So, I, yeah. I mean, it, it would have kind of been nice to at least have him, like, have to rush back to the orphanage, you know, and and hang out there for a little while. Uh, he got out a little too. I, and I'm not I'm not even saying that, you know, he should have had multiple chapters to run or run Dad Kiryu um, errands like he did yeah. in Yakuza 3. But I, I could have stood with a little bit more uh, of, of the orphanage to be. Yeah, that was probably more of a throwaway line to make uh munakata seem more evil than arai you know yeah exactly yeah. yes yeah, they, exactly. they needed yeah. to do something how do we make this guy seem more evil after we've watched this guy shoot a bunch of dudes and yeah. do a whole bunch of other stuff okay uh kidnapping orphans yep sounds good let's <laughs> <Yeah>. go <laughs> this is where i draw the line yeah. the thing about uh, akiru that i do, do think makes him a satisfying anchor in the story is that this game surprised me a lot by really like tying back to not just Yak- Yakuza 3 or Yakuza 2, but like going all the way back yeah. to Yakuza 1 with that tie-in with the Nishikiyama, mm. all the yen getting blown out of the top of the building. Like, That's right. Like, Kiryu's origin story did come into play here in a way that I was, like, it was one of those things where playing the game, I was like, wow, they really are, regardless of the soap opera nature of it all, and there's always 14, you know, false bad guys at the end that ended up being everything else like yep. it, it did take into account a lot of the story that had come before and to me that just respected the time that i had already put into the series and right. that might have fallen off of some people maybe if they came to because let's say you didn't have a ps2 but had a ps3 i know that was that's probably the opposite case but um but if this was your first yakuza game you wouldn't appreciate um Akiyama's origin story in that way and and I I found that to be a satisfying kind of nod to the franchise players to be like yeah this is all this is all connected still don't like don't take this as a we're not straying from the path everything you know kind of rolls into one uh, another story and and Kiryu's past continues to inform his present in a significant way and and I did appreciate that from someone who has come to uh kind of become a little bit invested in that long story arc. Yeah. Yeah. Goto Majima, the mad dog of Shimano, turns up again. Chris Lane says, how good it was to see serious Majima again. As much as I love his mad dog persona, we know from Yakuza Zero that it is just that, a persona. Majima's real personality is the calm, considered, and highly intelligent man we play as in Zero. The mad dog act is a defense mechanism to protect him from being manipulated again. But when Yasko and Seijima emerge from his past, we see the serious side of him again. It was just a nice little payoff after playing Zero. That said, 
Yakuza 4 has a distinct lack of Majima for my liking. Preach. Interesting. The, the, <laughs> the idea that it was a payoff for Zero, a plot point in 4, when actually I guess it's something that they seeded in Zero after writing 4, because Zero is written some years after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I couldn't remember uh, when they actually give you Majima's backstory the the fact that he is tied to Saijima and you know how that all came about but I guess I guess it was after uh mm. I don't think that there was anything in one through three that really talked about that so. much so not to, yeah not to my memory yeah Maj- Majima is one of those characters that that I I talk about a lot like I said I I, I joked before about having a couple of Majima t-shirts but he he's kind of that like Kiryu is clearly the face of Yakuza but um, but Majima is just like that, that personality that I've come to associate with what I love about these games. And, um, yeah, he was kind of in a more of a reserved role in this game that he hadn't been in previous games. However, there's some of those really powerful moments where he's, he's like getting put in the back of a cop car after being arrested. And like, he's playing that role of being the, like, the unwilling non-participant like or like where you feel like Majima would have been right at the center of all of this if he had had that chance and um seeing him kind of sideline like that was interesting but it made me kind of realize that I can enjoy a lot of the other things about the series without having him be present when if I think about um Yakuza 0 or Kiwami 1 like like those games are so tied to Majima and what the mm-hmm. things I love about them and here it's more of a he's an integral part of the plot, but having him kind of removed from the kind of the chess game of it all does kind of like make it realize the things I love about him, but also how important he can be when he's put into that role of just kind of being that serious member of the Tojo clan who doesn't seem on the surface to want to be active but in reality, in the background, is kind of moving all the parts and pieces to make sure that everything is like going the way that Kiryu asked him to his promise to take care of the Tojo clan and to and to lead it and to help um, Daigo and all those things. Like that's clearly always at the forefront of of Majima's motivations and and just the fact that I'm even talking about it like this shows how like they've done a good job in investing me in Majima's story moving forward. Of course, we have to have some antagonists, including some extra ones at the end, because Yakuza or video games or Japanese (laughs) video games in particular. uh, Well, Final Fantasy (laughs) style. (laughs) Uh, Chris Lane again says, since Yakuza 0, I felt the series has had diminishing returns when it comes to antagonists. Nishiki and Shimano were a respectable follow up. Ryuji had a presence when on screen, but was a little disappointing overall. Mine had the makings of a compelling antagonist, a sort of alternative timeline Kiryu, but suffered from a lack of screen time. And a lack of screen time is where the big problem is here. The antagonists we have are Arai, Kido, Daigo, although I'm hesitant to call him one, and Munakata. They're all okay, but we don't see enough of them to have their motivations properly fleshed out in a satisfying way. There is one villain I want to focus on, though, Junji Sugiuchi. A Yakuza pretending to be a cop or a cop pretending to be a Yakuza. He's a man who started off in a life of crime and embedded himself in the police force as a spy. Just another layer of corruption. Only while pretending to be a cop, he found himself wishing things had been different to the point where he envies Tanamura's commitment to true justice. Despite being a side antagonist, he was my favourite by far with the most interesting motivation. 
and yeah. the polar opposite of Arai, right? Because Arai exactly. is a, a very strong touch of the infernal affairs about it. Yeah. Yeah. I do think Yakuza 4 kind of suffers a little bit from the original Batman movie series trope where it was like the next game, the next movie, you add another villain. The next movie, oh, it's Batman forever. Yeah. We got to have three villains. Now Batman and Robin. Spider-Man as well. Yeah, Sam exactly. Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and granted, there are, there are reasons for this many uh, antagonists in this game, especially considering the finale, which um, I am going to struggle to not talk about at length. Um, <laughs> but, we'll get um but yeah, they it, it does kind of, because of that limited screen time, as Chris said. Um, excuse me, yeah, Chris Lane said, um, it does not really allow any of them to get their hooks in in a way where if you look at Nishikiyama and Yakuza One, or I played Kiwami One, like like that entirety of that story kind of centered around building that rivalry. So when they had that over the top battle on a rooftop, which is a trope in the in the <laughs> series. Um, like you felt like those conflicts were earned, and I think maybe um, Daigo was maybe the only one I felt maybe Arai too because that start it started well with Arai, but th- there were only one or two that I felt like kind of like wow I really like I'm looking forward to you know confronting this individual as opposed to the other yeah. two where it was maybe kind of just servicing the four protagonists four antagonists kind of setup. I was also looking forward to beating Munakata because it's just so easy to hate, you know, the smug yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting on top of the food chain, corrupt uh, deputy commissioner. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said it already, um, this uh, sort of increase in villains and also the fact that every new installment in the series has new villains and not some sort of returning um characters behind the screen that are like let's say uh yeah crucial to the machinations going on made me presented me with some sort of dichotomy about the storytelling in the series overall in that i really like the characterizations often of uh the main characters in this ca- in this case in this game you play as of course more than one uh, main character and you know I think I'm all on board with that, but the overall grander plots start to uh, lose their luster for me uh, increasingly with every series. Like, you know, okay, we got new villains. They don't have that much time to shine. The, the, the contrivances, the conspiracies are getting more ridiculous each time. And um, none of the uh, protagonists are that instrumental in how these situations came about it's more like something that happens to them and they have to overcome it um so it's it's this thing where yeah sort of the grander narrative um i have increasingly less of um affinity towards uh, it's more i i like to follow just the characters on their journey and that's it right so we do get to the finale. Inevitably, uh, they all come together for a common goal, kind of. Um, and that last chapter, the finale, uh, yeah, which is like the fifth block, if you will, is is just one. But of course, it, it, depending on how you play it, I guess it could be the longest because you can at will, not in a GTA 5 way, uh, but you can switch between the characters by heading back to the uh the speakeasy 
and uh, and flicking between them. And then I think you can from there you can pretty much go and pick up all their individual side quests and sub stories and things yeah. like that. Yeah, that was the area I loaded back into the last couple of yeah. days, just kind of go mop up some things, yeah. Yeah, and then from there, when you're ready, and when you're good and ready, and when you've told uh, Date, I think it is, that you're definitely very ready, <laughs> m- multiple times, uh, <laughs> because I, you've got inventory on all four characters, uh, involving lots of stamina and Xs and whatever else, uh, toughness emperors, which you'll probably need and want. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, then I yeah. I actually I'm glad that he made me tell him <laughs> yeah. yes twice because the first time when he specifically says you might want to bring some stamina on, I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably oh, yeah. shuffle inventory before I do that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I spent 20 minutes shuffling all of yes. my my uh, consumables into the bank and then divvying them up between the characters and making sure everybody had armor and everybody who could use weapons had weapons and yeah, it, RPG to the max. In, yes, in, exactly. In those moments, that, yeah. I did that. Yes. <laughs> Hundred percent, um, and yeah. So, well, Brian, you said you wanted to talk about it. So, uh, so lead on. I don't know if it was mainly gameplay or plot you wanted to talk about, but either and both is absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm gonna try my best to not be hyperbolic here. Um, <laughs> I I saved the the finale for one like kind of sit down playthrough. So I I kind of looked up like how long does it take to sit down? It could be anywhere for an hour to three hours or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So I knew I was at that point, so I waited, and I knew I had a free evening, and I started. And I'm not sure if it's just the action movie nerd in me or just kind of maybe the fact that I've just spent upwards of two to 300 hours like in the Yakuza games because um, I have played uh, Like a Dragon. That was the first game I played um, before I went back and played Zero and all the way through. I, I There was something about it. And Leah and I uh, messaged about it a little bit this morning as she just in, finished in many, it. Yeah, because I did. I did basically the same thing, except I did it this morning. Yeah, um, it, when when it starts, and they're all walking down the street to the Millennium Tower in matching uniforms. They all had the and, same suit. It yeah, <laughs> and then they get to the rooftop, and the yen that they are using to bait everyone to come get. They deliberately scatter like it's nothing with a helicopter. <laughs> yes, with a helicopter. Then they land and they get off that helicopter. And Akiyama cracks his knuckles and says, "All right, everyone, go find an ass to kick." Like <laughs> I could have gotten up and run through a wall. I tweeted that that night. I played it. Like I was so like like I stood up. I told Leah this. This is not a joke. I stood up and applauded. Like, it rewarded all of the dumb, fun energy that I love about the Yakuza series. It was just like this this completely melodramatic oversimplification of all of the problems that had led you to this moment. And it was just boiled down to four, then leading to five fistfights. And it was just like... these. This is what I love about the series. And this is what I love about video games. It was just... Everything that I wanted from these characters, all these characters whose stories seem disjointed, and the plot brought them together in what I'd say is a pretty satisfactory way. Like, I understood everybody had their motivations going to that tower, and, and I was satisfied with why each character had their reason to get there. But that just melodramatic, hyper violent nonsense that this moment brought, like, I just was grinning from ear to ear because they're all having like 
like soliloquies while beating the crap out of each other. Like they're just all giving speeches to nobody as they are just like, like just divulging plot points and motivations and just like all of this weird aggro male aggression over nothing. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but the culmination of this game just brought me so much joy to where by the end of it, I wouldn't have cared if plot points were resolved. I wouldn't have cared if there were gaping holes in sort of like that lead up, that build up brought me to such a like a full crumb of hype that I was just like, let's go. I, I, I can't I can't overstate it. Like very few games have gotten me to that moment. And I and obviously we play a lot of video games and we talk about them a lot at length and I've had t- three months to calm down about this moment, and I have been messaging Leah all week being like, I can't wait till you get this part. I can't wait to tell you the quote I love. I can't wait to tell you what happened. Like, it just, I told Leah, like, I- I've been so looking forward to talking about this moment, and just to have this ability to talk about the excitement that that moment brought me, it it justified all of the nonsense that got me there. All of the <laughs> crazy storylines, all of the things I didn't like about the game, all the parts that I thought were legitimately boring i didn't think the sub stories in this game were at par with some of the other games i didn't think that there was the the mini game stuff was as intriguing as other games but that moment of them all going to that tower it just it did it for me in a john wick die hard you know commando type of way to where i was just like let's go and by the end of that game i was sitting on my couch watching the credits play out just being like I don't know if I've ever been as satisfied with an overblown nonsense climax to a video game. And I, there's something about that moment that I thought about it dozens of times since be like, this is why I play video games. Like this is, this is the thing. Like this is that feeling of just feeling like I was part of something bigger than me and all of that nonsense stuff. I always talk about like Yakuza four, that, that climax, it just, and I, I know it didn't hit for everybody that way, but for me, it was just like I could have run a mile, chugged a beer, and done 20 <laughs> pull-ups at the same time. Like, I was just amped. And yeah. it means a lot It means a lot to me still. Like, I thinking about it, it means so much to me, the end of the game. Be more Brian, internet. I mean, that's all I'm <laughs> yeah, thinking. Right. Just like, like, I don't... Imagine if the discourse about <sighs> gaming was like this. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, I can't even put my finger on one exact moment, like, obviously that quote from Akiyama makes me happy, but it was just like, it was just like this, all of this aggression, conflict, everything, all wrapped up into the rooftop fight, and it was just like, this is Yakuza, this is what I love about Yakuza, and I loved it, unabashed, as you This reminds me of, um... And I don't know that I've actually made this connection before, which really sounds stupid that I haven't, if I haven't. Uh, but this really reminds me of the Fast and the Furious movies. Yes. Like, I am yes. not normally an action movie person. Like, they're fine. I, I will watch them. I don't have anything against them. But for some reason, those movies just make me so happy because it's just so dumb. But in the same way that this is dumb, like, this is dumb. But yeah, also, it's extremely dumb. cool yes. because it goes for it. Like, it just, it completely commits. And I love that. Yeah, this is kind of, uh, going forward, this is the way... Uh... I would like to resolve uh, conflict, conflicts and misunderstandings uh, in real life, you know? Right, let's rooftop. meet on the rooftop. Let's flush, let's flush everybody out, all the conspirators. <laughs> For those of you listeners who are uh, among the 
subset, uh, possibly quite large subset of uh, people who like Cane and Rinse, but prefer it when we disagree on games. This is <laughs> this is the show for you, by the sounds of it. Um, we've got Jockney here from our forum who says, I can accept a huge subterranean tower emerging from the facade of a golden pagoda, much That's as I can really accept cool. the existence of an underground gladiatorial fighting arena where ex-convicts fight to the death. Such examples are a goofy staple of the series and usually provide colour and charm to its world. But it's in Yakuza 4 that these moments really begin to detract from my engagement with the story, a story that the game otherwise asks us to take seriously. Whether it be retconning the second entry in the series in order to insert a hackneyed police conspiracy into the ever-increasing list of problems threatening the existence of the Tojo clan, or the most outrageously stupid false flag operation I've seen in any piece of fiction, an observation made to add insult to injury by another of the game's antagonists, never before has a Yakuza title asked me to suspend my disbelief to such limits while offering so comparatively little in return. Part of the problem here seems to be Kiryu. Many of these retcons and plot contrivances appear to have been committed in order to keep our erstwhile protagonist in the picture for the game's final act. But this is not Kiryu's story, and no amount of creative plotting was able to convince me that he was crucial to the events of Yakuza 4. But if it's not Kiryu's story, then whose is it? The developers introduced three new protagonists, with their own backgrounds and motivations, a welcome shift. Disappointingly, none of the three are allowed enough time for them to come into their own as characters. This is a real shame. I could easily see each of them supporting their own fully-fledged entry into the series. A Seijima-Majima game where you alternate between the two characters, Yakuza Zero style, one planning to bust out of prison and seek revenge while the other gets to the bottom of the 85 betrayal, or an Akiyama game which largely backgrounds the clan machinations in favour of noir detective missions. I've heard that the series does take a decisive step away from the established formula with Judgment and Like a Dragon, but with two full games left in the Kiryu saga, I'm left feeling like that poor sap in the Camarocho underground, chipping away slowly, more in hope than expectation of finding further treasures. Well, that pissed on your chips, didn't it, Brian? <laughs> you know, now what? The, the, I think and, you, I think you and, uh, and uh, him or her, them... Need to uh, fight it out on a rooftop over this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the only shirts yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> I um, the 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 funny thing about that is that I I don't disagree with much of what he said. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much of what no, the I got that. said. Yeah. Um, they they have um, they they've they've explained their problems with it in in a very eloquent and way that I that I don't disagree with. It just yeah. it worked it worked for me, which is yes. like which it's is different. Why, we get into this games are subjective, video games are art, all that conversation. It's just like, like Absolutely. for whatever reason, this yeah. this this um, conclusion just it hit on every level I needed to to take this game from being a game that I thought was pretty good to yeah. being that game that now I talk about fondly. Yeah. you know, and uh, and uh, yeah, and I and I'm and I'm with Kieran who who got so disjointed by earlier events that i never liked the game again after that point so right, yeah. so by by the rooftop fight i was just bored and frustrated <laughs> so, right yeah. and i and i wish i felt like you did brian because i always i always want to love these games and, um, and those and those rooftop fights are frustrating oh God. i mean the, the bodyguards for um oh, who was who's the who's the police chief again i uh yeah. mana madakana uh shoot monokata monokata yeah yeah monokata yeah. Those, that, I like, that, hated that fight so much. That fight yeah. was very frustrating. All of it. Um, so yeah, no, there's there there are 
<laughs> Far be it for me to say. So you like the cutscene, but not the gameplay, is what you're maybe. saying. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that might be fair. But the cutscene, <laughs> like, at, at I think that the point, other fights just... for me were, uh, were, were, you know, pretty painless. Uh, the Monokata fight was annoying. But at that point, I had Tanimura leveled up uh, with one of those uh, revelation techniques where he could just, uh, whenever he was in heat, I could just grab uh, an enemy and then uh, in heat mode. Uh, yeah. and we <laughs> would just grab an enemy and then sort of twist their arms around and then toss them on top of other enemies uh, so I, I, was I, constantly, I was just constantly doing that so it right. was it was annoying because you keep getting shot and knocked over but still I could still dispatch of the whole bunch rather fast so, mm. I'm not sure if I did this wrong I might have <laughs> but um, I kind of got the idea in my head that you couldn't kill like that he would just keep summoning bodyguards is that not the case no 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 i killed no, they, they do run finite. out eventually yeah. yeah oh okay well i probably that's another way of doing it had to be but... well another i mean it, it does help because if you can if you can get rid of him first yes then one you're not getting shot exactly. and two they aren't stabbing you as much like yeah. they yeah. they will still attack you if you attack them but they're not kind of swarming quite as yeah. much as right. they do when he's still alive yeah, I got yeah. I got rid of him fairly early on. Well, I say early on. It still took ages because he oh, kept yeah. staggering me, and then that leads yeah. to you getting st stun locked. And oh my god, it's so annoying. Yeah, I was the, just focusing um, on cleaning up the bodyguards first because he just kept running away. So and and I think I was also leveled up enough to a point where his shots, yeah, they were annoying because they got me out of my animations, but they weren't doing all that much damage. Yeah, that, it reminds me of what we just talked about recently on the on the Darksiders 2 Kena Rinse, where it, 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 at least it didn't feel like necessarily it was about me being good or bad at the battles, but whether or not I had enough healing items. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's the way those fights yep. felt. Like, like, I knew that I was just going to get murdered at certain parts, and I just had to have enough health regenerative yeah. items to, to get me through them. Same. I think because of the individual fighting styles of the characters... Uh, if you, I felt like if I was really playing to their strengths, like countering a lot with Tanimura and using his techniques that I learned, and you know Sajima charging up that final blow all the time, uh, I actually felt like in all the Yakuza games that I've played up until this uh, point, it was less about carrying enough health items, and I do did feel like I could make a big difference with uh, you know using the proper techniques that I learned. I only really had trouble, aside from the, the final, final uh, fight, I really only had issues with Daigo, uh, mm. because when you get him down to his last, I guess, two health bars, maybe, he starts blocking kind of and countering pretty much everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I, that was another <laughs> one where, like, it was okay, but it took a while, which is not my preferred method of doing yeah. those fights like i want to be in there i want to be doing combos i wanted to be you know doing all that but basically my strategy for daigo was punch him twice and then dodge before he can counter my heavy yeah. hit at the end of my combo and which i guess is fair time. but it does become more about the rpg elements at this point than your skill at brawlers i think in right. that in that it becomes about what you've what you've learned and what you've invested in in terms of moves because there are some things they just always will dodge or counter and it and yeah. that can be frustrating if you get to these get to these this point in the game without 
having invested in the right moves, you can end up with some of these fights being incredibly attritional, like Leah discovered. Music-wise, so as is often the case with the series, the Japanese version has some licensed music which you don't get in the Western versions. The theme song played during the introductory video is Butterfly City by Japanese hip-hop artist Zebra, featuring Ryo the Skywalker and Mummy D, brackets, Rhymester, with music by DJ Hasabi, also known as Old Nick. Does this mean anything? Old Nick. Uh, <laughs> the Western version removes the song and replaces, uh, replaces it with original pieces. Anyway, uh, anything uh, as regards to the the soundtrack of the version that you played, folks? Um, yeah, it felt very Yakuza. I wouldn't call it um, like too much better or worse or like remarkable or uh, you know less interesting than any of the other uh, entries in the series. Um, the the things that kind of become uh, difficult to remember are like the battle themes, uh, which I think are quite interesting and well written but you just hear them so often they kind of become you know it's kind of part of, mm. part of the background wallpaper yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah but the uh, battle themes for the four final fights were pretty spectacular though that's uh, something too busy gritting recall. my teeth to listen properly yeah yeah they had like all f- different melodies but then sort of yeah. uh characterized with instrumentation sort of you know um uh yes appropriate really. to the characters Appropriate to the character. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Joe Bonobo from our forum says, This game has what I think is the strongest soundtrack in the series after Zero. There are a lot of diverse mood setters in this title, with my two particular highlights being the dreamlike David Lynch-esque Whiskey and Rhapsody and the theme when you spar with Naya being, is it Naya or Naya, being extremely reminiscent of a PJ Harvey track. High praise indeed. Uh, and not a rep, not an influence that I would necessarily would have thought of, but um, there we are. So yeah, we've obviously already touched on the combat a bit, and certainly boss fights and things like that. Uh, each character has their own fighting style of uh, special mo- and special moves, as their body frames are different. Kiryu focuses on powerful blows of karate and boxing. Akiyama prefers swift attacks using taekwondo. Seijima favors powerful and slow brawling and grappling attacks. Using wrestling techniques, and Tanimura uses the defensive maneuvers of Aikido and Jiu-Jitsu that he learned from his time at Police Academy, according to Wikipedia. The Police Academy, not Police Academy, the movies. Be a little Uh, bit different. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most of, like, mechanically, is there there much to report? Again, I, I guess, you know, we always try to do these shows partially from the perspective of somebody who is familiar with uh, who is sorry isn't familiar with the games, but I feel like we're probably preaching mainly to the choir at this point, uh, and maybe some people are playing along with the show, with the with the games, with the shows. So, um, anything to report on the uh, obviously beyond the fact that there's four protagonists with four fighting styles? Any other mechanics that have been kind of significantly tweaked, made better, or made worse in your opinions? I I don't think that I necessarily think any of the fighting or the the mechanics really were better or worse. What I do think is that some of the characters, to me, felt better to play as than others. And I I think that's going to be down to preference. I don't think it's just that any of the characters have necessarily a more more inferior style or anything like that. But I... It's... It's kind of like the different stances that you could get in some of the other, notably in, in like Yakuza Zero, uh, where you had very different styles depending on what stance you were in. 
and I it's it's tough to play somebody like Saijima who is slow and deliberate but does a ton of damage if you're used to doing most of your play time with somebody like Kiryu, for instance, who is very fast and you know agile and and is kind of better off movement wise than than maybe Saijima yeah. or or anybody like that. It's is. like playing a playing Virtua Fighter and going from Akira to Jeffrey or something like that, and just I'll take expect- your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it being expected to just like pick it up or or yeah, uh, Ganryu to um, you know someone out of Tekken. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just I don't I don't think that it's especially punishing, uh, which I mentioned before. But it is it is tougher in some situations. I, I did not find some of them as enjoyable as the others. I was surprised how well I could adjust between the different characters and their and their fighting styles. I was just trying to kind of figure out, okay, this is their deal, and then try to play to their strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I think I died the least in this uh, Yakuza game. Uh, I mm. find the combat overall fairly painless, except for that final battle but even there i didn't uh, you know i did get through it fairly yeah without too as much of a hassle as it could have been i think there's a usual selection of difficulties if i recall correctly i, yeah, I, 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 just, it, I played on normal yeah so did i yeah. it does let you yeah. change i believe at any point even yeah. during fights that fights that you're not enjoying so um, so in order that. of the game's releases the game's release um yeah the um this is the first uh, Yakuza game in which um, you don't really have to sort of like, okay, level up your individual stats and then you automatically get assigned new moves to you. So right. you could, it was right, more yeah. of an open-ended, okay, I'll, 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 you know, I'll use these orbs or whatever they are and uh, choose this move instead or choose that move. And with Kiryu also, I found uh, Komaki and I learned some extra techniques from him and uh, I got this really useful move, which is, why I was mad that Kiryu didn't help out Tony Moore in the final fight. I found this really useful move I uh, unlocked where if uh, you your, your heat gauge is up, I won't make the same mistake twice, um, you could just run towards an enemy holding a gun and just take their gun out of their hands. You know? yeah, <laughs> it was super yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think with these shows, uh, we don't necessarily get super granular into the nitty-gritty of all the various xp leveling up combat move learning systems of each of the games because it's it's stuff that's actually quite hard to kind of just say out loud but um they they have jumped around a bit they have they have mixed mixed up the the mechanics quite a bit but the it's always the underlying stuff isn't it the actual feel of the combat has stayed pretty consistent obviously with the you know the change to engines and frame rates and things like that from the start so even if you're investing different a different currency or resource or whatever it ultimately it sort of serves the same end which is that you you start off as a competent brawler who's able to hold their own on the streets but end up a kind of uh, a multi martial arts superhero of some kind by the end of the game hopefully and i i think it's also worth mentioning we've we talked about kind of the rpg style stocking up and the fact that if you don't have the right moves in your arsenal you can come a cropper in some fights i think i'm sure there are videos out there i say that a lot on this podcast uh, of people doing this game with no stamina drinks or whatever um but it is worth saying that the set the action set pieces usually give you drops and uh and items just in the environment that are probably Mm. the very bare minimum you need to complete 
most of the most of the stages. So even if you do go in naked, um, but it really is it is recommended to buy or or procure weapons and armor and and things like this. This this game, if I recall, it's been a few weeks, but this is one where you're. Uh, do you have some of the games you have separate inventory slots for weapons and armor, and some of them they're just part of your regular stash is this one where it's just part of your they stay yeah they stay in you have to equip them but they stay in your inventory yeah 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 exactly they don't leave your inventory and there's there's quite a lot of hidden stuff like um there's a there's like a a secret not secret but a place you could miss i think where you can actually kind of is it uh you can kind of improve weapons and things like this yeah that's on the uh rooftop i believe i believe there's a uh, there's a couple shop on the rooftop where i know that you can at least um upgrade some of the weapon types i'm not sure if that's specific to saijima or if eventually you can get there with everybody i think there's another person somewhere else in in the back streets yeah Yeah, he's in like an alley kind of up near the park uh it's i think it's the same place that he was in the previous game you run into him pretty early on i think with akiyama and he says like oh hey i'm you know well well, he's in he's also in the prison with um yeah, that's uh, his brother. Sajima. Yeah, that's his brother. So his identical brother. twin brother. Uh huh. But yeah. you you do run into him, I think, with Akiyama, um, pretty early on, and he says, "Oh, I'm gonna be out. I'm gonna be over in this alley." And they don't really make a big deal. That's that's the way that they introduce a number of things in this game that you could potentially yeah. miss, including a lot of the training stuff. Yeah. Um, they will, you know, they'll they'll have the character have you run into them on the street or have you get a text or a call or just hear people talking in the street and you know you can either go and see them or you can not go and see them or you can do some combination like with um with Nair who is who does the training I think that's how you pronounce it okay. uh who she does the training kind of over in the the back streets in Chinatown and you know I, I don't think that you have to do anything with mm. her I think she's purely no. a side story and yeah, I did exactly. a couple I didn't I didn't go all the way down her path but I I did get a couple of things from her and uh that was helpful so no and I so. guess investment into a lot of that stuff really pays off in the same way as it does in JRPGs yeah. in the sense that you will you will spend more time playing the the bulk of the game and then the end fight may be more spectacular and satisfying than if you end up doing it like i did which is the kind of yeah the attritional chipping and and taking lots of health potions effectively to to get through it yeah i had kind of a combination i think (laughs) right all in all, also going from uh, Yakuza 3, I think in Yakuza 4, the combat and how it feels is definitely a little bit more refined, um, mm. you know, with in terms of locking on to enemies and, and yes. consistently blocking and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And ragdolling. Yeah. Joe Bobonobo from our forum says, Camaracho thugs are really some of the dumbest video game enemies going. <laughs> Who looks at a mountain of a man like Sejima and thinks, yeah, I can take him on no problem. Yeah. It's great that you can finally swing motorbikes around with Sejima and give those fools a proper beatdown. Tanimura is easily the most overpowered of the main four. Him automatically performing a heat action when you get the heat meter high enough makes quick work of most enemies. On the subject of boss fights, this also rings true for me from uh, Chris Lane again. I hate Saito so much and whoever designed his boss fights is a true sadist. While he never beat me when I fought him as Seijima or Kiryu, I still came so close to rage quitting. He can stunlock you and power through your attacks as well. Absolute nonsense. If Kane and Rince wasn't a family-friendly podcast, I'd have to riddle this section with a ton of expletives. 
I believe that McKeel called him a uh, S stain beforehand. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, it, it, so even though it's a family friendly podcast, I think I think maybe we all feel the same way. Yeah, it's it's he's rough, man. He he just the the characters and there are a couple of boss fights this way. Uh, the the other one who wasn't even an actual boss and i don't remember his actual name because he's not an actual boss but when you are as kiryu going up to the top of kamarocho hills um and you know you get kind of the mini bosses along the way he's the guy i can still see him it's a guy he's like in an orange suit and he has a a baton uh, like a police baton i guess mm. and that guy is terrible and you have to fight him a couple of times and i hated that guy because he did the same thing as as saito does where like he doesn't stumble most of the time and he blocks most of your stuff and he tracks you and he can stun you and yeah there's just some combinations of abilities that are real rough right mini games of course is a huge part of the yakuza experience the extra content and there's plenty of it and i'm not even sure if this list is complete because i can't see any Oh no, Hanafu, Hanafu, Hanafta is in there, but I can't. I'm sure there are more card games and casino games than I've got listed here. There, there always are, right? And shoggy chess and all mm. that stuff. Is that all? Is still in there? Mahjong, um, there. Mahjong, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Roulette. I guess, yeah, right. All the, all the, uh, yeah, all the gambling stuff. Which I, I guess, again, you can if you if you enjoy it, you can spend time potentially making absolute bank. And then going and investing all that coin in, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever the top tier spiky umbrella weapon is or something. I never had a problem with money in this game. No, I, I didn't. No. I never really needed much of it. And when I did need it, I had plenty. Like, I didn't really need to. I, yeah, I, it, it was not a concern. Pachinko is new, I think, to this one. Um, if you're into so, that. Yeah, I Slice think it of is Japanese new. life. Yeah, um, there's been some games, and I, it's hard to remember which ones they were part of. Where, like, a lot of the pachinko stuff, pachinko, excuse me, stuff was like, like optional downloadable, like where you could like, like if you wanted to engage in the pachinko parlor, you could yeah. download the pachinko machines for free, but it wasn't like a part of the game. I'm not sure if that was some uh, attempt mm. to curb gambling or to. I, I'm not sure. Maybe um, for certain regions, they didn't make yeah, it available. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's less gambling than it is than some of the other pastimes in the game, mm -hmm. like poker or blackjack. So I don't know. Um, confusing. Uh, this has a fishing mini game. Hooray! Uh, I don't know if it's a good one because I didn't spend any time with it. It's okay. Um, I yeah. spent more time with it than I'd like to admit, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, it's um, well. There there's one side story that that requires it yes, but yeah. um yeah I, I mean i i i did the same thing like i i did probably more than i needed to but i i there are better fishing mini games sure onsen is a weird one for a mini game you take a bath <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the that's the response it elicits as kind most. of <laughs> a, a chuckle uh there's also massage if you prefer um bit gutted i completely didn't manage to find table tennis oh, I, I, I. <laughs> I really i mean unless it got taken out of the western version but i, I did not see no. table tennis no I, de I definitely played it in one of the the bars in kind of the north of the map um right there was a couple tiers of of yeah. players it, it was 
I know this will shock everybody, but it was Kiryu playing table te- tennis against multiple hostess girls who yeah, ended yeah. up being very <laughs> impressed with his skills. Okay. So, yeah. How uh, mechanically was it? I mean, was this rock star table tennis levels? Or? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. It was press X when it says press X, basically. Uh, okay. Yeah. I won't be too worried. Cause, I'm good you know, at that. The, the the bowling, the billiards are still there. They're very much unchanged. They're solid. They're pretty much as they were in um, Super Monkey Ball. So, yeah, um, seriously, with yeah. with a few tweaks. Uh, how's the karaoke in this one? Karaoke fans? Not I actually didn't do much of it. Um, yeah, not nearly what it was in Zero. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, it it's came on a long standard, way after really. four. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there is a hostess game, which I believe is not as in depth as other examples of this either. <sighs> I was disappointed. Right. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't because I wasn't really expecting much because I figured it would probably you really. I, again, that's one where where zero is just the best, uh, in my opinion, uh, hostess mm. mini game for that. But this is the same one, I believe, as it was in three, which oh, is right. yeah. you you have a, a hostess that you can kind of dress up. You send her out into the room and then you walk around and listen to what people say they want. And then she gets three shots at it and that's it. And I, yeah, I mean, eh, I even when guess. I went to Japan uh, in 2006, quite a long time ago now, but I went to visit my friend Simon there and he said, you know, do you want to do the hostess bar thing? And I was like, can you explain what it is? And he was like, he explained what it was. And I said, why would I do that? I don't get it. I don't understand. They I see don't... the girls, they talk to you. Yeah, that's it. The girls talk to you after having been kind of, well, in the game, at least kind of uh, used as dolls by men to appeal to conversation, other men for conversational purposes. I, it's very, I mean, I, I realise it's a part of the culture and whatever else, but it, it's quite uh, it's quite difficult for my gaijin head to um there's a there's an audience for it i like educated girls i like smart girls (laughs) i mean and and, i i do not know uh, about you know how i obviously i have never well i guess not obviously i have never been to a hostess club or a host Mm. club i've never been to japan more's the pity because i really want to go to japan but um yeah i i i don't know if it's any kind of realism here but it seems like it's a pretty decent gig if you are yeah. a hostess who is good at and I think you so. know is is a a social because i mean it's not you don't have to do anything that you don't want to presumably yep. that's and, it, i think I, well i mean i guess it probably like many places i bet it depends on the place but you know it it's mostly just being a social person and you know you mm. selling a things, companion so yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're trying you're to get sell- them to spend money on. You're being you're being a waiter, waitress, bartender at the same time as you are being, you know, a a conversationalist, a companion, and the best case scenario, you're getting stuff bought for you. So you know, yeah. that's that's all right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that's your job. Sure if, mm. if if it's the career you want, then buy there are means. probably way worse. There are definitely way worse jobs oh, yeah. to have. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Um. Thing that I found interesting about this hostess game versus three, you could start seeing the building blocks towards where it ended up in zero. So uh, like yeah. in, in three, it was mostly exactly what Leah just described. But in this one, it was the exact same mechanics playing the game. But there was like some intrigue of like 
stealing hosts from other clubs and other clubs are coming in and you're going to do this competition and mm-hmm. that's kind of where zero shined <laughs> in that yeah. in that regard was that it yeah. became more of a game as opposed to just kind of a um and and tell me if i'm being um uh, disrespectful of the game, Leah, but like this is more of kind of a dress-up simulator, which I don't have anything wrong with. It just doesn't like they're like, oh, I want a classy girl, and then you go back to the dress-up room, and so you change her earrings or haircut or this or that. You could and spend a lot of money it. on on dressing yeah. these yeah. people up, and then presumably make all of that back and more. Right, and then and then, but the the kind of the thing in this one was that they were pitting you against other clubs, which is where. Yeah, because a zero really gets to because you try to become the best hostess club in the in the city and all that stuff. Which um, well, there but, was no try. Yeah. I was the best hostess club in the city. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, do or do do or do not. There is no try. We know that, Leah. Um, but but yeah, the, you could tend to see the building blocks of maybe where they get to eventually. Interesting. Uh, now, to perhaps the single most disappointing aspect of this game for me, other than the uh, implied child rape was Jeez. the was the uh, the lack of sega arcade games in in the arcades yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping by this time we would get some of that but it's still no. boxelius and uh, yeah, you got fake fake virtual fighter 2 cabs that you can't interact with that that, uh, yeah. that will change uh, but you've got no super scalar games from the from earlier in time or anything like that i think uh, is it the next one's got virtual on in possibly um anyway there's no, yeah, like I, I, I was uh, playing on my Astro Mini this afternoon and thinking, you know, playing Flicky and all these other Wonder Boy. Well, Wonder Boy is complicated because of the licensing. And, and anyway, Sega games, Sega arcade games from the 80s and 90s that could have featured quite mm. easily in an arcade in, in Yakuza 4. And instead we get this relatively good looking but pretty repetitive and shallow Boxelios 2, which is a, a, a time-based shoot-em-up. Um, yeah which you just kind of hold down the fire button until you run out of time. Shenmue did it. Yeah, and and so did Zero. So it's kind of interesting that they didn't, even if it wasn't in the original releases, it's kind of interesting that they didn't put anything Mm. in for the remasters. Yeah, yeah. Especially considering they had the cabinets right there. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it seems like, it would seem like most of the the work there was already done if they could find a way to port it in. Yeah, but I think I, I think know. the next game is is the one that starts to bust that mm. stuff out a bit more. But uh, yeah, genuinely, like part of one of my favorite things about the series is even though it's a kind of daft thing, but it's a nice throwback to Shenmue is the going into Japanese game centers uh, and playing Japanese arcade games in Japanese game centers. So the UFO catchers, though. Yep, UFO catchers with um, reasonable physics, um, a bit easier than the ones in real life, although uh, I did in real life on my on the day of my fiftieth birthday. I won a Grogu plushie. So yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. That was uh, yeah. You know, it was never a, it won was anything moment. from a real life UFO catcher Aww. ever. Which I've won. A, I've won a fair few things actually over the years, but I've probably you know probably spent a few quid doing it. <laughs> uh, there's one machine which is in the Japanese uh, versions, which is probably why the arcades feel emptier in the western versions is because the answer x answer or answer cross answer i'm not sure quiz machines are in the japanese versions which uh, obviously for obvious understandable reasons haven't been localized but in fact are apparently quite uh, a challenging uh, japanese general knowledge history geography quiz um 
part of the arcade gaming scene there. So, uh, yeah, didn't make it over. The trophies list between the two distinct versions, obviously there's the PS3 version, which has 49 trophies, many of which are secret story related ones. And there are 48 trophies or achievements in the remaster. I think quite a lot of them are the same, but I think some of them are different as well. Um, I don't know if you noticed any pinging while you were playing, folks. Uh, Mikia, what about the original version? Anything, anything, I, I guess you're not that much of a trophy hunter, but anything catch your eye or make think you might want to go for it? No, not really. Also, I had this thing with uh, my PS3 PSN being a bit botched or something. Uh, mm. So, and it needs some sort of syncing to get it. Oh yeah, no, that'll uh, take a that'll take about twenty five minutes. Exactly. So I, yeah. I decided to sort of ignore that whole aspect. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I thought the achievements were fairly generous as somebody who really cares about Xbox achievements, but it wasn't anything. There was nothing in there to get me to like really aspire for getting the full thousand because a couple of them were sure. pretty unattainable without yeah. you know hours and hours on end so yeah looks like i won seven bronzes one silver and one gold in my 24 hours uh out of the 37 trophies um and yeah i would i think a lot of them you would have to kind of go back yeah gather at least one outfit from each category in hostess maker <laughs> uh, exactly. Oh, have a hostess invite you out on an after work date. I mean, never mind. I'm going back right now to achieve <laughs> these achievements right now. I have to leave the recording. Um, I've got work to do. All sub stories. Yeah. Sub story champion. That's uh, that's a high tariff one. Um, but yeah, I don't think any of us on this particular show are sort of gen uh, general um you know, we might all enjoy them, but I don't think any of them, any of us are must get the platinum kind of folks. So, but anyway, there's two if you want them, or or more if you buy multiple copies on different formats. Joe Bobonobo from our forum says this was a big improvement on Yakuza Three, in my opinion. The graphics are nicer on the eyes, adding access to sewers, rooftops, and Little Asia really expanded Camarocho and made it new and exciting again. And playing multiple characters also mixed up the formula nicely with their various fighting styles and storylines. I also appreciated that 4 starts with a new character and gets into the story relatively quickly. Overall, Yakuza 4 is still not up to the heights of Zero and Kiwami 2, but this is a solid number 3 in my ranking of the Yakuza games I've played so far. Middling, says Jobo of the series. Uh, we have just two three-word reviews. Jobo Bonobo says, Crooked Cop Shenanigans. And Valentine Pilma says, Haruka's Unending Trauma. Poor Haruka. Dark but true. Yeah. <laughs> she's fine. Uh, probably. <laughs> she's she, she's going to need a uh, really good therapist yeah. when all of this is done. <laughs> yeah, my dad just said it was because he'd been in prison and it was okay. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, remember yeah. last summer when my dad got stabbed in the gut by the guy that we ended up helping two weeks ago? That was normal. <laughs> and then I watched him die in the hospital while my dad was yeah. off yeah. doing uh -huh. things with mountains of literal money on a rooftop without his shirt on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those are the three times I got kidnapped, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor Haruka. 
before we start to wrap up, because I know we're about to, um, we kind of glossed over this. Uh, Brian mentioned it briefly, but um, Haruka is only one of the female characters in this game that gets treated kind of crappy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other one is um, Akiyama's uh, yes. secretary. Yes. Um, whose name has momentarily escaped me. Hana. 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 Thank you. Um, yeah, so Hana seems to be a really cool character in Akiyama's char- in, in Akiyama's chapter. She is very competent. She can kick people's butts. Yep. Uh, you never actually get to play as her, but um, you you know she she appears to be pretty solid in terms of um, of, of being useful uh, and, and being you know kind of in, in a lot of ways more competent and more organized than her nominal boss. Yeah. It kind of um, keeps Akiyama on task. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so, you know, she is, she is a pretty cool character in my opinion. And she, she, you know, is, is um, leaving uh, Akiyama's uh, employ at the end of the, his chapter uh, because of course she's in love with him. Um, and you know, he could never love her because she's overweight. Um, and that's, that's the problem. And the really, really, really crappy part about this. And I, I, listen, I put up with a lot of crap in Yakuza games because I really love these games and it doesn't generally bother me that, you know, there are things in here that are kind of problematic, but Mm -hmm. it got under my skin hardcore that during the finale, or I guess after the finale, technically it's in the epilogue. Uh, Hana comes back after having been gone since the end of Akiyama's chapter. She comes back to his office, comes back to him because she's lost a ton of weight and now she's a viable romantic interest. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, that really made me mad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? That's uh, yeah, it's classic Yakuza stuff. Um, <sighs> yeah, they haven't per- they haven't pulled this particular card out of their deck. No, probably before, not. But um, some of the yeah. sub stories have sort of come close to this kind of stuff and yeah uh, and and I, there there are a few um a, a few characters who are i don't know whether they would be considered ha- or well okay let me let me rephrase that i don't know how problematic they would be considered they're clearly yeah. some kind of problematic like there is a trans character who is in a pretty significant storyline that i th- i think they handled reasonably well yeah. the, de- the detective right yes um yeah. Uh, what's her name? I can't Saki. remember. Saki, Saki, I think. Saki, yes. I mm-hmm. clearly I've lost everybody's name already. Um, but, but a yeah, lot of Saki, names to remember in these um, things. Yeah, she she is a, a trans woman that you interact with on a number of um, like like kind of a whole side quest thing. Um, it's more than just one of the side stories. It, it uh, spans into a few. And I I mean I thought that they handled her pretty well. Um, obviously I I. I wouldn't want to make the final determination on that myself, but there isn't a lot that is just kind of outwardly cringeworthy. Um, but, you know, there are just some things, and this is probably the best you're going to get out of me regarding Yakuza not necessarily being a perfect game, but I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, there are some things that will occasionally even still make me cringe, so just be prepared for oh, that, yeah. I guess. Well, that segues nicely into my summary. Yeah, there uh, you go. You're welcome. <laughs> of Yakuza 4. So, um, obviously, yeah, we've been playing playing on this series, and it's been a series that I not engaged with fully properly until we started this run of podcasts, and I've had a pretty good time playing them with a few caveats and frustrations, and, and yeah, both frustrations in terms of the gameplay and also some of the the, the story writing 
in yeah in terms of some of the aspects that that Leah's just been talking about, but also yeah some of them, some some yeah some things that I just aren't I'm not always entirely comfortable with. But for all that, uh, it's not been it's it, up to now. It's not been so much that I've actually gone yeah I'm kind of finished with this stuff. Um, and I and I'm still not because I am going to carry on with the series, but um, after a really promising start coming into this one, thinking, "Oh, this is nice. This is fresh, different character. Okay, he's flawed but interesting, and different fighting style, and some different mechanics, and a huge upgrade on visuals from compared to the previous game." Um, we got to I got to the early stages of of chapter two, and then the combination of uh, uh, character two however it's delineated. And the combination of uh, a, a, a frankly absurd plot contrivance, which I definitely would have glossed over without the next bit, and that really uncomfortable scene that we talked about at length earlier, uh, it's not to the point that, you know, I'm I'm not cancelling this game. I think it's a, a poorly handled scene. It just really, for whatever reason, you know, and I'm I'm not somebody who's averse to playing things that are dark or challenging or difficult. Uh, I'm not one of those people that thinks that you can't have uh, films with uh, protagonists that you hate in. Um, I know some people just can't even bear to watch anything if they're like the leads uh, are horrible people. I'm not like that. I'm certainly not like that with games. I've played countless games where the where the protagonists are, are, are horrendous humans. Um, but this scene was just so mishandled from from my view that it just jarred me so much just sent me reeling away from caring about this character and that followed up by the time you know by the time i played the rest of his section in a kind of sort of eye-rolling kind of way i then got onto the 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 cop guy who i just found quite bland and we discussed earlier perhaps the original actor's performance would have engaged me more and kind of brought me back but i found him a bit bland and a bit dull and maybe not his backstory maybe there was some interest there but his actual persona it was not interesting to me then we got back to kiryu and you know i'd kind of i've already played three games four games with him so that wasn't you know it was nice to see him back and whatever but and i perhaps this wasn't the most interesting example of of, of him in the game so far and then it's the finale with the four characters two of one of which i hate one of which i don't care about one of which i'm bored of and the other one i was i used to think was quite cool but that was about 20 hours ago um then there's this m- mega epic rooftop finale which i wish i felt like brian did about it but actually i didn't care by this point and i just found the gameplay really attritional and frustrating probably partly because the game had put me off from investing in it literally or figuratively in terms of making my character strong enough to deal with it and so yeah i came away just relieved i finished this when the credits rolled uh, i still thought yeah i'm gonna have a look at the next one and see how we get on and hopefully it's not as offensive as the last one um but yeah i did not like yakuza 4 very much at all um if you are playing through the series i don't know that i'd say skip it because it's kind of i mean i don't know how many of these plot elements ever come back in the future does it does anyone know who's more familiar with the plots of five six and seven do do we uh, need to know who any of these characters uh, are i know from playing seven you need to know kiryu and majima but right. even then that's so far like 
they're sure. so it just only adds to the experience. It doesn't like it's not a necessity. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure your guy uh, Sajima, Sajima will be back in the next part. Oh, oh okay. actually, you know you know Given what he is epilogue, in seven. Yeah, he's in seven as well. Yeah, now that I think right. about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> combine combine all that with the so, fact that uh, who's, even... who's willing to take hosting duties over from Leon? <laughs> so there weren't even any Sega arcade games to kind of cheer me up again. Um, yeah. Only Box Zelios two, and you know I like the billiards, I like the darts, I like the bowling, I like the baseball. But I've played all that before in other games that I didn't dislike as much. So yeah, it's a it's a you can pass this one as far as I'm concerned, unless you might have the same experience as Brian did, in which case definitely don't miss it. And I'm sorry to be such a sourpuss on this show. You know how rarely that happens. But yeah, this was not a hit from my point of view. Mikio, I expect you feel slightly more positively than I do. Yeah, certainly slightly. No, I'm, uh, I'm still on board for the series. Um, I think Yakuza 4, with my chronology of making my way through it, came at a welcome point after... You know, Yakuza 3 is starting to grate a little bit on me. Um, so I welcomed the idea of these four different protagonists with their four different playing styles. And uh, yeah, it was definitely got into uh, into their characterizations. You know, um, I just kind of had to block out and ignore Sejima's uh, weird uh, two long stretched out moments with uh, with Haruka. Uh <laughs> And yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's this thing where it's not a series that's wildly different different from installment to installment, uh, which makes it also a little bit tricky to really um, you know discuss that in depth beyond maybe the story and some of the mechanical changes and 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 everything. But uh, I'm still there. I'm still looking forward to uh, play through the rest of the series. Cool. Thanks, Mikhail. Leah, how do you feel overall about Yakuza 4? Quite positive, actually. Cool, cool. Uh, I I really like this game. It It is not perfect. It has some really cringy moments, some really problematic moments, um, some moments that I did not enjoy. And I, I, for all of that, it still does the thing that Yakuza games thus far have done for me, which is that it really pulls me in and makes me enjoy inhabiting that space and doing mostly menial errands for people around the town uh, even when I, I'm not that interested in what they're having me do just being able to kind of run around and and check things off my list it just it ticks some boxes in my mind and in my play style that are I find to be really satisfying. And then you get stuff which I I, I think I suspect that Brian is going to um, be a, a bit more eloquent about this than me. But um, no pressure. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, I I should say has already been more eloquent about this than me because you know I I love big dumb set pieces with characters that I think are cool. And for the most part, you know, child molestation aside, which is a phrase <laughs> I should never, ever have to Oof. say, um, but, yeah. you know, him aside, uh, yeah. I mean, these are pretty cool characters, you know, and they're not perfect and they're not even good necessarily in a moral sense, mm. but they're cool and they're supposed to be cool. And it's it's just big, dumb action fun. And I, I don't always like that, but 
in some situations that just the the way that it's set up just works for me and yakuza is a series that works for me and even within that i think this is this is pretty high up there for me i i really liked the uh kind of slight deviation from the setup that we had seen thus far i i like that we got to see some new characters even if not all of them worked out and uh, yeah i i i liked how this tied into and rewarded people who have maybe played the other games and had an attachment already to that story. I, I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think that I would say don't start here if you are thinking about starting Yakuza. Um, but if you have already played the previous games, then I would absolutely say that you'll get a lot out of this one. Cool, cool. And uh, let's conclude with uh, Mr. Hype, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really thought I was his own hype man. <laughs> I thought I was uh, done with overwrought emotional and personal summaries this year, but I no, uh, apparently, no, 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 no. apparently another one's coming up. Um, cool. You know, I I've been thinking about a lot about this during this recording, and and I probably I hadn't done enough reflection about this beforehand. Um, it was I, I work in a very difficult place where I deal with a lot of difficult things and I read a lot of very, very disturbing and difficult things. And video games are where I come to escape from a lot of those things. Um, I listen to um, uh, Leon yourself and, and Mikhail and Leah describe that scene with Saijima and I, and I completely agree with everything you, that you've said about it. Um, I, I also have a professional existence where I work along with and with people who have committed some pretty heinous and terrible things. And I have to read the descriptions of those things. And I have to um, kind of engage with the reality of those things. And um, in no way does that make me more willing to give those things kind of a, like a, a pass or to kind of to, 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 to gloss over them. In fact, it, it makes me very much more sensitive to them in, in a lot of hyper-specific ways that I won't get into here. But that scene with Saijima was such a a revelatory thing in this game for me, to the fact where I realized that I had become, um, whether, uh, certainly not willingly, but just realistically desensitized to a lot of things that exist in this cruel world that we live in. You juxtapose that against the put all four hands in into a palm fist, go rah, here we go, let's go kill the bad guys while we blow billions of yen off the top of the building and just have this bombastic, huge nonsense fight at the end, which barely makes sense, but there's just loose threads that tie it all together. And in that moment, this is going to sound so dramatic and so personal and so whatever, but like... Those are the moments of video games that help me to process the moments of my real life that are like that Sajima scene. Sajima scene. Um, I'm not trying to say that Yakuza <laughs> 4 has changed my life. It has not. Um, it has not done anything other than be a further example of the moments of video games that I lean on when the real world has just become that gross dripping with hate and malice place that we all exist in. That moment at the end of the Yakuza 4 was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like 
like people can come together and create something that makes me feel happy and good and excited and stupidly proud of these dumb idiots that are just going to rip their shirts off and beat the heck out of people on the top of buildings. Like there is something about the conclusion of that game that, that ha- that for me personally washes away all of the bad stuff in the world that drags me down in my nine to five and I get back to this and I can just sit down and be like, you know what? I can be a dad tomorrow. I can I can have optimism tomorrow. I can I can be happy about life tomorrow because I was able to wash away the grime of my day by engaging with this fanciful nonsense. And so Yakuza 4 to me has so many flaws and does things so much worse than a lot of other entries in the same series. But I'll when I when somebody brings up Yakuza 4 to me in the in the future, I'm going to be shaking my fist in the air talking about how cool that ending was and how how I felt so alive for lack of a better term while playing this culmination of fiction that just made me feel like I was bigger than I actually am and every criticism written by every conscientious um, contributor to this show be it the ones that were talking and the ones that wrote in and all of the reviews and everything else all of those viewpoints are valid and real and and have influenced my opinion on this game but when I look back on it, I'm just going to choose to remember the moment where I felt like I could literally run through a brick wall for these four idiots. <laughs> and and that, to me, is Yakuza. Like that, that's why I play these games. That's why I'm replaying Yakuza 7 right now. It's not because I think it has this profound message. It's the best video game I've ever played. No, it's because I want to hang out with these, <laughs> these, these kind of idiots that just happen to find themselves involved in this struggle, and it makes me feel better about my day-to-day existence. So um, Yakuza 4 has all the flaws in the world and has all the problems that everybody has said and and has all of those things, but it it made me feel really good at a moment of my life where I really needed to feel good. So for that, I'll ever be eternally grateful, and it's going to be Every, it's going to take everything I have to not start Yakuza 5 prematurely <laughs> because I don't want to get to a point where I forget the things about it that will make it feel special to me. So, yeah, I I can't recommend it enough, but I also completely understand if it rubbed you the wrong way. I, I think that's possibly the biggest disparity between the most negative and the most positive uh, <laughs> take. And that is a great, also a great example of why. We uh, tr- going to be more eloquent than me. <laughs> I try. I try to start off. I the- remember roughly three percent of what I just said. So please, <laughs> <laughs> please do not. Funny man, me. rip shirt off, punch you. <laughs> yeah. Don't hold me responsible for whatever I just said. Um. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's why. That's why I try to put the most negative first and the most positive last where possible. Because uh, you know, why? Why would I want to uh, be a a downer on that um yeah and what's amazing is not only do we so our experiences were so fundamentally different on yakuza 4 we're still friends Isn't that yes yeah <laughs> well well not after this recording no okay um. well i thought we were I'm, I'm still friends with you um i'm an american we disagree that means that we can no longer be friends you're ghosting me uh, it's going to make future shows awkward anyway uh, so interesting podcast. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Leah, Michiel, editor Jay, all of our correspondents, and of course you for listening. 
Next time, in issue 531, a whole different kind of martial arts ball game, I guess, with John Woo presents Stranglehold.